hello ho ho and welcome back to <laughs> the airport the that festive christmas <laughs> special wonderland <laughs> presentation from omid and maggie <laughs> you know it's gonna be a one-of-a-kind podcast but i've already lost it in the first like three seconds omid <laughs> <laughs> I will warn you guys this week, this show uh, lacks a little bit of structure. We're going off the rails, everybody. Come on with us. (laughs) I said to Maggie, we'd keep it breezy. Um, It's been a, you know, it's been a tough year, I think, for everyone. And I'm tired. (laughs) Well, I feel like for a lot of us, too, we're tired. And there was this, like, hope around Christmas time. I know, especially for us in Europe, it was like, oh, we locked down early. We're going to have Christmas. We got the vaccine rollout. And then it was like, oh, that's cute. Just kidding. 2020 is not over yet. How about another variant for you? How about another lockdown for you? And you're just like, why? What happened? <laughs> yes. Anyway, so that's where lot... we are. <laughs> There is a lot to feel down in the dumps about, but there is also a lot to feel thankful and positive for. Um, We are all safe and in good health, and we have a lot to talk about this week. A lot of fun, festive stuff as well, which always makes a change. It's true. I'm at an all-time festive high. You make a good point. It's interesting. It's like when the the more that we're forced to sort of isolate and lock down, the more I just want to lean into anything that's remotely festive. Yeah, exactly. And I think for all of us, we started that journey <laughs> a month earlier than usual this year. I will say, so remember we talked about me getting my Christmas tree and I was trying to get it like mid-November. I, I waited. I got it last weekend of November. So like very, very late. And um, let me just tell you, it is still surviving, but it's looking a little bit like it's on its last legs. Like I looked at it this morning, Omid, and it did that sad thing where all the branches are kind of like pointing down now. Oh, like they're no. no longer, but the, the the little pine, what are they called? Needles, needles, that's what they're called. Little needles are still on each branch. They're just a little droopy, a little droopy. <laughs> Maybe, why don't you order some of the like snow in a can? <laughs> and then you can kind of make it look like it's heavy with snow. That's a really good idea. Maybe it'll last through New Year's then. <laughs> yeah, New Year's is another hurdle. We've still got that to go through together with everyone on the podcast so so hang in there but this week a lot to go through including uh, Christmas at Windsor Castle a slight change yeah. of scene this year but still one filled with tradition and Maggie and I are going to run through what goes into a royal Christmas even when it is socially distanced and I've <laughs> seen the notes Maggie there is a lot of food there's a lot of food spoiler alert you eat at the royals during Christmas and you're going to put on a few pounds Um, aside from that we also had uh, finally the christmas card from the duke and duchess of sussex this week uh that came with a very special message and a sweet meaning behind it we'll be going Mm. into some of the details about that plus we had the news of harry and Meghan's archwell uh non-profit announcing its first partnership uh this was an initiative with world central kitchen a great cause some really great details coming in from that um and aside from that it's been pretty quiet we're going to close out the show with a a festive reading from (laughs) prince charles and camilla the duchess of cornwall um which i will save until the end of the show such a tease and but before before we get into all of that there is one story this week that i guess perhaps wasn't of the most uh festive of spirits (laughs) Uh, about uh, a Christmas outing that the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge and mm. their children 
and the Earl and Countess of Wessex and their children went on this week. Uh, the Daily Mail newspaper pictured all nine of the royals together, hey. uh, seemingly breaking the rule of six uh, that exists for specific tiers in the UK when it comes to congregating for social activities outdoors. Of course, as a group of nine, uh, they seemingly broke that rule. It was front page news and picked up by many of the papers over here. In fact, it made world news. I uh, saw, saw it sort of travel as far as the New York Times and the Washington Post. I think at a time when we are so focused on what we should and shouldn't be doing for... I think at a time when we're so focused on what we should and shouldn't be doing uh, during a time when all of us are trying to be as careful as possible uh, for public figures to break the rules. Mm. I think it always that news will always travel a little bit further. Now, Kensington Palace and Buckingham Palace remain quiet on the matter, but royal sources did explain that the winter trail, it was a light trail out in Norwich uh, in the forest there, uh, was something that the two families had booked independently and at separate slots. But because the slots were so close together, they uh, accidentally bumped into each other whilst they're outside and members of the public caught that moment on camera. We haven't had an apology from any of the royals. Many on social media are asking for one, but there are also just as many people who don't seem so bothered about it. Maggie, I want to ask you, for a family that has really led the nation throughout this pandemic, it's sort of the apolitical presence that many have needed, do you think it's right that there is so much focus on this uh, apparent breach of the rules? Well, I, it's tough. I mean, I think it's expected, right? As you said, they've really been the face of uh, the, the, the the pandemic here in the UK and the response to it, and more than just the UK for the world. And they wanted to be that force that, you know, not only brought people together, but helped enforce the rules. And so, you know, when you're a public figure like that, you are sort of held to a higher standard. Now, you know, all that being said, at the end of the day, people are human as well, and people make mistakes, and they may bend the rules a bit. That's not making any excuses for them, but it's also just understanding that, again, you know, royals are humans. And so um, was this the, the, the best decision the family could have made? Probably not. Um, is it something that necessarily they deserve to be, you know, dragged through the mud for, for forever? I, 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 I don't know. That, that, that's tougher to say. I think that, you know, if you believe their excuse, you could also see something like that happening. Um, I think right now people are just exhausted, too, of the pandemic. And not that that, you know, excuses them by any means. But I think it can help understand a bit how they found themselves in that situation. Yeah, it's, it's tough. I think for everyone... It has been a year of really trying to navigate constantly changing rules and boundaries. And, you know, as much of England moves into the highest tier possible or the highest tier yeah. currently available for COVID restrictions, I'm sure many felt frustrated when they saw this apparent breach um, when they themselves perhaps haven't been yeah, able to yeah. hang out with groups of friends. So you can understand how it might ruffle feathers or certainly um, put people's noses out of joint. Um, yeah, but at yeah. the same time, I think we should all be afforded the 
I guess the benefit of making mistakes and it can happen. Uh, would it have been appropriate to see an apology? Perhaps. I think as, uh, certainly for the Cambridges, as a family that have, or a couple that have been almost sort of the bastions of mm. um, how to move through the, navig- uh, through the pandemic um, appropriately and properly, um, it would have been nice to hear something from them on this incident, um, especially after, of course, we're not that far from the negative uh, reaction from Scotland and Wales to their train tour of the mm. UK, of course, whilst those two countries were at the sort of most restricted tier um, during the pandemic. I think what was interesting, however, was how differently this story may have played out if it involved other members of the royal family. Only recently we'd seen Princess Beatrice um, somewhat chastised for going out uh, on a lunch with friends during uh, one of the higher tiers in London. I can't even remember what tier it was at the time. <laughs> well, um, I'm like 17 was... <laughs> now, so keep up. <laughs> it was a time when we should not have been socialising with people who are from other households, unless, of course, it's for work purposes. Mm. And she was photographed out at lunch and... Uh, it came with a lot of negative commentary. It later transpired that she was on a business lunch and so was actually following the rules to a T. And, but at the same time, I'd also imagine that if this involved the Sussexes, we also would have seen them hold held to a much higher standard. And whilst the first day of coverage would have been pretty much the same across the board, I think the rest of the week would have been dominated by criticism of the Sussexes for, you know, allegedly flouting or disregarding COVID restrictions. So it is sometimes interesting to see the sort of different hypocrisies mm. at play or some of the favouritism at play. But I'll, I'll, I'll end on this note because I don't want to dwell on it for too long. I, I think no one should really be chastised for a one-off mistake, especially when it's so... I guess sort of up in the air of really ha- what what was at mm. play here. Um, I think for everyone it's been difficult to follow the rules and as long as everyone's trying their best that's really the, the most we can ask for everyone. Um, but again I, I sometimes question this sort of no comment reaction that we often get from the palace. Sometimes it would be better to hear an on-the-record voice or even from the rules themselves especially at a time when I think the public have felt really frustrated with the situations they found themselves in, especially with so many now hmm. discovering that they can't spend Christmas with their loved ones, even if it's outdoors in a group. Ugh. Yeah, I, I think that's what made this so sensitive. Just everyone is so um, distraught right now, and rightfully so, over sort of missing out on this family time over Christmas. And so I think it's easy to feel personally attacked when you see others. If you perceive that they're you know, not following the rules and you are, it almost feels like a personal attack. So I, I definitely get why there was this sort of visceral reaction from some people. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of the Sussexes, we had their Christmas card this week. It failed to make the, the roundup in our last episode. <laughs> they um, just but I think it. given that they're out doing their own thing, it only seems right that they have their own moment for their own card as well. And they did it, of course, in true Sussex style. Uh, releasing it through one of their patronages, mm. uh, the Duchess of Sussex's work with the Mayhew, which we've known about for some time. Uh, this is an animal charity. 
and shelter based in London that not only focuses on the UK but also carries out initiatives overseas when it comes to the care of dogs and cats. And so the Sussexes announced alongside this card that they were making donations to the Mayhew in the UK, to the Henry Van Stravensi Memorial Fund, which of course is the, uh, the fund set up in, in Harry and William's uh, late friend's name uh, that, that carries out a number of education-based initiatives in Uganda. And the, oh, what is it called? Transition House? Oh. Yeah. And Transition House, which is a local organisation in Santa Barbara in California, their new uh, neighbourhood or that, that neck of the woods that they're in that focuses on helping families that are either facing homelessness or coming out of homelessness. Um, so great to see them really covering all bases. It sort of highlights their interests. But of course, everyone was interested in the card itself. You've got it in front of you, Maggie. <laughs> what, what, what were your first thoughts? I mean, it, this was, uh, I think, the first time that we've had Archie, Pula, and Guy, the two dogs, and Harry and Meghan in a photograph together. But I thought what was fun about this was that I, I almost felt like they were trolling the media a little bit by adding in this very artistic filter that could kind yes. of kept some of the details <laughs> at bay. <laughs> I thought the same exact, okay, well, first off, to answer your first question, the thing that caught my eye right away, obviously the two dogs, because I don't think I've really ever seen the whole family all, you know, five of them together before. Uh, and so I was very excited that the two pups made it, which makes sense since it was part of her May uh, Mayhew sent it out. It's very important. And so I, uh, I loved the dogs in the photo. But second, I think you make such a good point that when I first saw it, I, I thought, wow, what a kind of an intimate photo they're sharing. And it's unlike them to necessarily, you know, give us a glimpse not only of them as this family with the dogs and their son, but also their backyard and their new home. And it felt so intimate. But then when you looked closer and saw that it was kind of an artistic take on that intimate moment, you did kind of think like, oh, that's a cheeky little move you did there. I see what's <laughs> happening. I see what you did. Like, you know, give, give us a little glimpse, but also sort of um, make the point that, you know, this is a rendition of our life. We're not going to let you see all of it. Yeah, which I think kind of signs something yeah, which I think kind of sums up exactly where they are mm -hmm. as a family. It's sort of that willingness to share something, but not everything. And, and that's really kind of how they've drawn the line over the past nine months and stepping away from their working mm -hmm. roles within the royal family. Um, but it's great to see them keep up that tradition. A spokesperson for the Sussexes shared some additional details with us saying that the photo was taken uh, at their home earlier this month by Meghan's mother, Doria Ragland, who of course has been mm. spending time with them, and that the small Christmas tree you can see in the photo, including all of the ornaments, which were homemade, uh, were selected by Archie. And once the holidays oh, are over, they're cute. going to replant that tree in the garden, uh, presumably to use for future Christmases, which is a nice little touch. I also just felt, and again, I know this is an artist rendition, uh, rendition, but doesn't Archie look big? <laughs> well, he's he's definitely grown. It's I been a while since yeah, we've seen since him. We've seen him. <laughs> and, and I was thinking back to when you know we were together on the Africa tour, when we kind of saw him, and there was that big moment, and he was like just a babe. I feel like you could hold him in one arm, and now I look at him in this uh, Christmas photo, and I'm like, he's a little man. <laughs> Although I remember even back then, you know, going back. A year <laughs> he looked ago, like a little man. <laughs> You would ask anyone that was either 
part of Archie's life or mm. had spent time around Archie as like sort of, oh, you know, how's, how's he doing or how, how is Archie? And the answer would always usually be followed with, he's a big boy. He's a big boy. <laughs> he's a big boy. <laughs> he's definitely drank his milk. <laughs> good on ya. Looking good, looking good. <laughs> it's not, I think it's nice to see them closing out the year mm. as a family. It's a really positive message that they've put out. And it also comes following some big news for them because Harry and Meghan announced uh, the first major initiative for their non-profit organisation, Archwell, this week, which is a collaboration with the World Central Kitchen, Mm. uh, an organisation that helps local communities out in times of natural or disasters Mm. of any kind. Uh, A really fantastic organisation, already has such a high profile Um, But for them to carry out this uh, collaboration with World Central Kitchen and Archwell, I think, is a great move for them. Mm. Uh, In summary, this is World Central Kitchen's first foray into setting up permanent buildings in four separate locations that will act as sort of disaster hubs Mm. should an area be hit by natural disaster. Uh, But at the same time, these centres will also serve the community 365 days a Mm. year, whether that's through food support, schooling, education, safe places for families to be. And it's Archwell that's helping fund these four buildings. I think it's such a great organization. I'm not sure how familiar people are with it. And I know, you know, for the past uh, more than a decade, they've been they've been working around the world. And they're often at the same natural disasters that we go to to cover for news events. They're there so quickly, Omid. It's always amazing. And they're on the ground in very difficult situations, you know, with first responders getting food, essential life-saving food to people that need it. Uh, But what really has been interesting this past year is that, you know, they've been doing that kind of on-the-ground work during the pandemic in America. So I think a lot of Americans have seen them for the first time in their hometowns helping people when they really needed it also you know working with local businesses to keep local businesses in business while still providing food for neighbors and so i love this choice from harry and megan because i just think it not only supports sort of their mission to help uh, people around the world but but right now this organization is helping neighbors people in their own backyard and so uh, the timing i think is just fantastic and the fact that they're going to have now more funding to do their important work is also just so so impactful and that it's happening around christmas when you know everyone wants to come together and and, and eat together and and have these shared memories I and mean, i just think i think it's, it's it's a really great way to make an impact Mm, absolutely. And, you know, for those that aren't so familiar with World Central Kitchen, it was founded in 2010 by the very well-known chef and restauranter Jose Andres. Uh, this was during the Haiti earthquake mm-hmm. in 2010. That was really when we first saw World Central Kitchen on the ground. And, you know, I've, I've had the privilege of chatting with him in, in the past um, and seeing the work that they do. Uh, certainly on, you know, in, as you said, in very quick response to disasters. I remember that they, I think they cooked something like 100,000 meals mm. for Hurricane Florence evacuees a couple of years ago. And just on a side note, an incredible chef. He <laughs> has this recipe for, I think, what are they called? Pepitos de Iberico, oh. which is a kind of type of uh, ha- Spanish hamburger sliders. They are so That would be your favorite. So <laughs> like, hear me out. They're sliders. They're mini hamburgers. <laughs> I'm just dressing up sliders. I love sliders. Oh, <laughs> oh what, a, what a fantastic partnership. 
Yeah, exactly. And, then, and we had a statement from the Sussexes this week, um, just giving a little insight onto this partnership. They say the health of our communities depends on our ability to connect to our shared humanity. And when we think of Chef Andres and his incredible team at World Central Kitchen, we're reminded that even during a year of unimaginable hardship, there are so many amazing people willing and working tirelessly to support each other. And we also got the news of the first building that's actually being built as part of this partnership is already un underway. Oh, wow. And poignantly, they've picked a Commonwealth location. Mm. This is in the country of Dominica, which of course was mm. hit hard by hurricanes Irma and Maria uh, just three years ago and really has yet to fully recover uh, from the major damage to homes, roads, forests, mm. and the tourism industry as well. And then we'll see the next location in Puerto Rico. Uh, this is somewhere where Chef Andres launched a major food security response following Hurricane Maria in 2017. And they still haven't announced the final two destinations, but they are, I think, the Sussexes and World Central Kitchen are working together to find the right location for this and so you know when we talk about or we've often sort of speculated about what the legacy of Archwell will look mm. like in the future and what it is that they're aiming to set out to achieve these are really those those uh, f sort of foundation pieces coming into place and, and giving us an idea of, of where their activism lies and it's really at the heart of communities well, speaking of food, cast your mind back to a year ago when we got those this other land. <laughs> exactly. A time when social distancing was nothing but <laughs> two words that had no Never connection been whatsoever. <laughs> uh, just a year ago, we saw great pictures of four generations of senior royals, the Queen, Prince Charles, Prince William and Prince George, mixing together ingredients for Christmas puddings, all part of a project for the Royal British Legion, which uh, helps look after veterans and service personnel uh, during times of need, but also times of loneliness. And their Together at Christmas initiative launched around the same time, um, alongside an announcement that in the future they'd set up special community gatherings and get-togethers in various parts of the UK for those who have served the military and volunteers to come together uh, at, at times when the, perhaps they don't always have someone to share these special moments with. Now, of course, this year has panned out very differently yeah. and those gatherings weren't able to happen in person, but they have continued ahead with virtual gatherings across the UK and at different times. And those puddings that were made by the Queen, William, Charles and George, have now been handed out to veterans in the UK, in Malta, in Fiji and other wow. places that uh, military personnel serving overseas um, as part of this Together at Christmas initiative. Um, so, of course, there are more than four people to receive these puddings. So I believe it was only four royal puddings that they were able to contribute, plus 95 others that other volunteers had made. Um, but we, I think what blew me away about this was the fact that puddings take 12 months 
<laughs> to mature. Well, I don't I was, think I quite realized it took this I was long. Just, I was just about to interject for our American audience because to explain that like when I first moved to the UK, everyone kept saying everything was pudding. And then I kept looking for the pudding and I was like, guys, there's no pudding here. Because in America, pudding is like, like the, you know, how do I describe it? Like the kind of liquidy base. It's soft. Yeah. It's like chocolate pudding, right? Wow, I'm mm -hmm. terrible at describing things, Obed. You know, that thing that's like soft but not not too soft. <laughs> yeah, it's like a it's like a cup. It's like a custard. Like a custard. Pudding, a yes, pudding. custard. Yeah. But in the UK, y'all just call everything pudding. Yeah, all desserts weird, are pudding. They're all puddings. It's very confusing. Is. It depends I guess it depends where you live or what your background is. I've always called it desserts. Oh. But many people call it pudding but it's generally pudding is generally your sweets after yeah. dinner but to clarify though it's not like the royals made you know custards and then the custards have been sitting around for a year <laughs> and they mailed these like sloppy custards to malta it's like a very specific christmas fruitcake because <laughs> i won't lie when i began when i started reading this i was like they did what now that doesn't seem appropriate <laughs> So, so this is the thing. Uh, a traditional Christmas pudding uh, includes it's. Uh, how would I describe it? It includes. Um, Help us out. Candy jelly, candy mm. peel, nutmeg, raisins, almonds. Uh, it's all soaked in brandy for well, a really long good. time, <laughs> and it then becomes a sort of solid fruit cake. And then at Christmas, you'll steam that cake. And you may pour some brandy on top of it, and you might even light that when you bring it to the what? table. Shut the front door. I know. That's uh, exciting. So, and, and for extra luck, uh, many put a special silver sixpence coin, oh. which is obviously a coin that's no longer in circulation. But the person that finds the coin and probably <laughs> breaks their tooth in yeah. the process um, is uh, or wins or, or has oh. the, the luck of wealth and good luck throughout the year ahead. Huh. Um, so these four puddings that the royals made included the silver sixpence coins. I think the queen put one of them in, or they oh, each put cute. one inside a different pudding. And we heard from the Royal British Legion that uh, those cakes went out to a number of volunteers. Uh, a veteran named Vera Parnaby, who was 81, she's yeah. raised more than 1.3 million for the charity and she received one of the festive puddings. <laughs> and uh, former military personnel who served with the Royal Army Medical Corps for 11 years, a guy called Julian Groves, he actually got one of the sixpence coins inside one of his puddings. Oh, cute. Oh, that makes me happy. I love that they did that, that they're finally, you know, it's kind of a nice surprise, right? Just when you thought that you weren't going to have any of this kind of family get together, holiday, Christmas baking cheer. Uh, it's like a little reminder from 2019 of what life will be like again, getting sent out around the world. Mm. I, I still can't get over the fact that as a Brit, I didn't know it takes that long. <laughs> That's, I have an excuse. What's your allow, excuse, Omid? Allow it. Well, I just thought it was made a few weeks before <laughs> Christmas. I knew it would have to sit somewhere for a while. But then I guess this is why we've heard in the past about um, people keeping Christmas cake slices for oh, years and years. Because, of course, it is uh, like a cured fruit cake huh. with so much alcohol in it that it's basically preserved <gasps> forever. So you're and you saying can put that it's in healthy. You can put that in the freezer and bring it out and re-ice it huh. when you celebrate your first wedding anniversary. In fact, we know that William and Kate did that with their, with their wedding cake. 
Uh, the Sussexes did not. They bucked the trend and didn't do the fruitcake. It, it, it's definitely an acquired taste. It's an older taste. All right, I'll, I'll give it a shot, but I'm not that enthusiastic about it. <laughs> <laughs> Are you into mince pies? Okay, here's my thing. I'm actually, I, I'm really not, but I'm trying to be because I want to do the British traditions. So right. I'm trying to get into the fruitcakes. I'm trying to get into the mince pies. I love a good Christmas cracker. You know, the things like for America, they, they're, they're these fun things that you pull apart and they make noise and toys fly out. Those are really fun for me. <laughs> that are terrible for the environment. <laughs> yeah, so that's not the good point. But you can get the, I, I like to get the plastic-free ones. Yes. So well, just we have the, a lot yeah. on Christmas traditions coming up. Uh, I think you'll greatly benefit from this, Maggie. Oh, Lucky for you, the stores are still open for another 24 hours if you've missed any of these things <laughs> off your list. <laughs> Go shopping. Well, this year's Christmas for the royal family looks a little different to what we've seen in the past because, of course, since 1988, royal family members, or at least senior royal family members, have celebrated Christmas together at Sandringham. And, of course, as a result of the ongoing pandemic, courtiers have had to, after considering all the options, uh, decide that the Queen and the Duke of Edinburgh spend their Christmas quietly together in Windsor. And this will just be the two of them. Mm. Probably the first time that has happened in really the entire entirety of their marriage. So uh, the, a big cancellation and a big change for the royal family. But some things, especially when it comes to royals, do not change. <laughs> and there is a ream of Christmas traditions that will continue this holiday as normal and I, I wouldn't want to see it any other way Maggie. So what are the things that say the same? Is it all about food? People, it's hard to give up the food at the holiday time I think. Yeah, I, it, we'll, we'll definitely get into food shortly. I mean, <laughs> You're like slow as, down Maggie. <laughs> well as I said traditionally we've seen Christmases take place at Sandringham since 88 um, but the reason for that change was uh, that year Windsor Castle, which was the original home of royal family Christmases, certainly for this generation of Windsors, needed to undergo major electrical rewiring and a number of renova renovation works. And so they all moved up to Sandringham and they loved it there so much that they decided that every year they would continue with oh. Christmas at Sandringham. Because, of course, during the 60s and when the Queen's children were young, they spent their Christmases at Windsor Castle. And, you know, look, Windsor Castle is lovely, but it's certainly not as comfy and cosy and comfortable as Sandringham. I think I know that one guest in the past, well, guests in the past have called it a really comfortable place to stay in. It also had showers and flushing toilets before <laughs> most of the other royal residences. So this is going this is going wow. back much further. Yeah, but yeah. it has certainly been the, one of the more modern places to stay. And the ground floor rooms at Sandringham are really used regularly by the royals. Mm. And although the contents are still very similar to Edwardian times, it again is very plush, very comfortable. And it just has a real homely vibe. And it's why it's become such a popular place for the royals to stay there. But that said, it's 
cramped. I think <laughs> you can only have about 30 guests there at a time. That's really the max. And if you think how many royal family members there are, that yeah. does fill up quite quickly. And I remember poor Prince Harry during his years <laughs> of not having a plus one to bring with him was often squeezed into a tiny bedroom that I think was more likely to be used by, by staff than a guest uh, that just had a, a twin bed inside it. So, <laughs> which I like guess is very typical. getting stuck at the kids' table. Exactly. It's very you know, typical yeah, for visiting Very typical for all family. What I kind of love about that too, Omen, is it's an example of, you know, when, when traditions get changed because of some reason, in this case there was the fire, so they all went to Sandringham, and then you end up sort of loving some of the new traditions and they're sticking. And I think this year so many people are going through that, right? We cannot do so much of what we did in years past and while that's sad, maybe we'll discover some new things, right? This is kind of like trying to be optimistic here, Omid, you know? Maybe there's a little, little a lesson learned there from Sandringham Christmases. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, the, you know, we've seen or we spoke about recently on, on the show about how much work has gone into decorating Windsor for the holidays this year. And so it'll no doubt feel very festive there at the castle for the Queen and actually we talk about a castle but really the Queen and Prince Philip they take up a sort of apartment residence within that space so it still feels comfortable and cozy mm. and we've even had peeks into it during some of these virtual calls and briefings that the, ca that the Queen's carried out uh, but whilst we won't see royals exchanging presents in the way that we usually see, which is of course laid out on a huge trestle mm -hmm. table on arrival at Sandringham, and then they exchange their gifts at tea time on Christmas Eve. So this is the German tradition, ah. not the British tradition. There may not be much of that this year, but I do believe that everyone has already sent their presents to each other. So the Cambridges, the Sussexes, Everyone has sent presents out to each other during this time. And so it would not surprise me, and this is just pure speculation, if there is going to be some kind of Zoom or video call yeah. element for their Christmas <laughs> Day. Because, it, you know, even for the Queen, she's so used to it now. And I think yeah, that that's, that's a good point. going to be sort of a, an instinctively sort of easy way to connect during mm. the holidays, especially when they're all so spaced out. You know, the Cambridges are at Anne Hall. Uh, the, the Yorks are obviously at their home in, in Windsor, the Queen's at her property and so on. Will you be doing any Zoom holiday events this year, Ahmed? I really hope not. <laughs> You're like, it's good, it's good for the Queen, but I'm over it. I've spent so much time on video calls this year and I, I've, I've even found myself avoiding them now when, I, no. when you see... You know when you see the link to the video call, but then underneath there's a phone number that you can also call into. You've just been doing the, the call-ins. I've just been doing the call-in. I, I just, you know, I and that's partly because that. I just don't want to get dressed up. I, so I'm, <laughs> I'm doing, I'm doing a big uh, tonight. We're doing a big family by, uh, video game night. And so it's our big celebration. And my cousin decided that we all need to dress up because she was like, I haven't put makeup or nice clothing on in months. So can we please treat this like a real Christmas party? <laughs> and I was like, all right, touche. I get that. I get that. If we want to make it feel like a real Christmas party, we should act like even though it's Zoom, it's a real party. Well, I'm lucky enough to be in a lower tier area mm. at the moment when it comes to COVID rules. So I'm 
blessed that I can spend Christmas Day with my family. So we're all going to be together on that day. And unfortunately, the next day we go into higher restrictions in this area. And I have to make a decision about where yeah. I'm facing myself <laughs> for the weeks weeks ahead. But That's it, a future it'll be decision. nice to be together. We have certainly yeah, that'll struggled be really nice. with technology as a family this year. Um, but we will be eating uh, en masse and in plentiful amounts, as will the royal family. And Maggie, I think the you have quite royals the list eat in a front lot. I have to say, Omar, when I started reading through this list, I, it, it shook me. I, I was shook. At the end of it, I said, I cannot imagine eating that much in one day. So just um, stick with me for a second, right? So this is the this is the Christmas day. Imagine eating all of this. This is your life if you're a royal. So you wake up. Well, what do you have for breakfast? Obviously, you need a full cooked breakfast because most important meal of the day, of course. So we're going to eat a full breakfast. Then often, traditionally, we'll go to church. All right. So you've maybe walked a little bit post the big breakfast. Then you're going to go back, though, for your big um, Christmas lunch. So... When it comes to a Christmas lunch, it's all about tradition. And the royals, they don't do festive hams or anything. That's too new school. They just do traditional turkeys. But they're not going to do just one turkey, Omid. They're going to do multiple, at least three turkeys for the queen and her family. Uh, one gets sent to the children's nursery where the children eat. They don't eat with the adults. And then they also make turkeys for the staff, about like 100 or so that are working that day. So it, 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 the Christmas lunch is like a full production with turkeys just being pumped out of that kitchen. Um, <laughs> and I do think it's so interesting that, you know, kids aren't allowed at the adult table until the queen says um, they're able to properly act. So it's a very sort of Victorian old school approach. And the kids are sent to a nursery where they do get fed. <laughs> but um, it's all the adults sort of around the holiday Christmas table. Now, at this I point, used to think that rule was archaic until that- <laughs> I spent Christmas on the kids table not so long ago. And <laughs> Last year. It kept coming into my head that there are there is a family out there that have set this rule of having children in a separate room for yep. Christmas lunch. Yep. And I actually crave that. So I can understand that. <laughs> but you know, you that's do. one of the things that Princess Diana really struggled mm. with, or famously struggled with, and she's spoken about it, uh, for Christmas is at Sandringham, because of course, you know, we talk about children being separate for Christmas lunch, but as you're detailing, there are so many moments where the royals gather around the, the dining table mm-hmm. on Christmas Day that that's actually almost the entire day without your children. And of course, if you then followed the tradition of exchanging presents the night before, you haven't even had that sort of traditional mm. morning with the kids in PJs and swapping presents. Oh, and so PJs. it's really a day where you're without the children. And I'm sure that has probably been altered as the years go by yeah. and why we've sometimes seen the Cambridges take a break from the traditional festivities and the Sussexes missed out on it last year. Um, yeah, I, I can definitely see the wisdom in that too. <laughs> <laughs> Again, yeah, I think maybe a balance is important. You want to include the kids and hopefully you can you know, get them to sit still at the dinner table at an early age. But as you say, it's, it's a lot of dining. That's a, a lot would be for me to sit through, let alone a four-year-old. Um, 
But the food is good, Omid. I mean, in addition to those turkeys, the uh, menu, if you take a look at the classical menu, it's sort of like a best hits list of like all the traditional Christmas foods that you would normally find. So you got the turkey, you got the stuffing, you got the roast potatoes. Um, there's often like different stuffings. There'll be a sage and onion, a chestnut. You might have mashed potatoes, mm, parsnips, like Brussels chestnut. sprouts. I know. It's just, it's like just reading it now I'm I'm ready to, to wrap up this and go on my Christmas vacation. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> Omid, Guess what? It doesn't stop there. <laughs> You're like, okay, I want more. Um, because so after you've now eaten your second meal, huge meal today, you do go for a brief Christmas Day walk, everyone. But then they come back, and of course they have to have tea. We're British after all. Um, so there's a, an afternoon <laughs> tea. <laughs> but there's also at this tea, there's mince pies. There's scones, or scones as you guys say. There's a Yule log. There's different types of sandwiches. There's Christmas cake. Because at this point, you must be hungry again, right? Um, but oh, wait, wait there's hungry. more. <laughs> after your full breakfast, after your full Christmas lunch, after your full Christmas tree, you have to have dinner. I mean, come on, you're needed three meals a day. <laughs> So then Obviously, there's dinner. Not animals. And right, yeah, whatever parents. Um, which, believe it or not, Omid, is said to be even more elaborate than that lunch. I guess dinner is this evening buffet. Um, the head chef will often come out and carve the meat at the table. It's very much a whole uh, spectacle. There's a whole wheel of stilton cheese. There's crackers and charcuterie. Of course, there's a ham at dinner that's decorated. Um, so I'm exhausted just saying all of this. Imagine. Getting to eat all of it. I mean, it's an incredible feat. I, I really question how, how, how it's possible. Um, and I guess they end the night with whiskey, a whiskey toast. So there you have it. I'm signing I, up. <laughs> I struggled when I first dived into sort of researching what a royal Christmas looked like a number of years ago. I remember being sort of finding it hard to believe that royals actually eat this much on Christmas Day. And uh, the, one of the well-known chefs, Darren McGrady, who did about eight or nine different Christmases with members of the royal family, I sat down with him a few times for different interviews. Mm. And he said that this is exactly what they eat. And they really don't <laughs> stray from this year on year. But the secret is mm. you don't get plated. Your food is not plated for you. You know, everyone is uh, sort of choosing what they have at the table. And so it's a case of just picking a little bit of everything and you really have to kind of treat it like you're grazing throughout this sumptuous menu throughout the oh. day. And when he described it like that, I completely could get down with the <laughs> idea all on of having board. this much on offer. Just and snacking there's one thing that we didn't cover and that what? is, and this of course is exclusively to Sandringham, so I can't imagine it'll be at mm. any other time. There is a chocolate table <gasps> set up, and I believe it's everything in for detail. that evening buffet. But it has every kind of chocolate you can think Shut of. Shut the front door, Omid. Oh, dessert. Yeah. How do we get to that level? It, it, it's it's a it's a tall ladder. Wow. <laughs> it's a tall right. ladder. <laughs> We're starting now. I just want to someday. You know, I just someday I want to live in a world where I get a chocolate table. <laughs> It will be interesting to see what traditions are continued this year. You know, this is the first time where certain royals will really be thinking about, well, how do I want to do Christmas this year? They no longer have to adhere to this very set 
sort of list of traditions, mm. I would imagine that it doesn't involve as much food. I certainly can't imagine the Queen and Prince Philip eating this much throughout the day. Although we know the Queen likes a somewhat early drink. Oh, during okay. her days and so I could imagine that that will certainly play a theme in their day at Windsor Castle. <laughs> I can get behind that tradition as well Ovid. <laughs> <laughs> but this yeah this you know this I think this presents new challenges for the royals as it does with every family um, but we've seen the tr other traditions continue we've had the Christmas cards yeah. shared by all I believe there are some portraits coming over the holidays as well that'll be quite interesting and you know someone tweeted actually in the week and they said you know who actually receives these cards you know every year we see the card <laughs> it's a good question actually <laughs> and we we presume it goes out to obviously friends and loved ones um but this is something that i actually asked buckingham palace about oh. a few years ago uh, because I just wanted to know. And so certainly from the Queen and Prince Philip, they send around 750 cards every year that obviously features a family photo. Uh, the Queen, the card itself is signed with Elizabeth R and Philip. So very informal. Um, it usually features their official ciphers as well. And so as well as it going to family, friends, members of the royal okay. household also receive the cards. Okay. Uh, but as do all of the British and Commonwealth Prime Ministers, oh, the Governor-General really? and High Commissions also are sent one, and Philip then sends out a further 200 cards <laughs> at Christmas on top of that oh to God. the different regiments and organisations close to him. So he's really thinking about charity and the work that wow. he does as well, even now that he's retired, which huh. I think is great to see that. That is such a good on. question. Oh my, I never, I never thought of that. Who they went to <laughs> all of this time. I love that you dug into that. That's really interesting. Um, but it is, of course, a time of giving. As we heard earlier in the show, the Sussexes made a number of donations for the holidays. Uh, we haven't heard anything about the Cambridges, if they have or not. I'm sure we'll hear something at some point. But the Queen herself does like to give during Christmas. And she usually donates to local charities in Windsor every year. Um, and these include, uh, she, as, as well as donations, she also gifts Christmas trees to Westminster Abbey, St Paul's, mm. St Giles Cathedral, and uh, one of the churches in Edinburgh. And Buckingham Palace also say that the Queen gives out trees to churches and schools in the Sandringham area, presumably with trees grown on the Sandringham estate, because we know that so much is grown there so it, it certainly is a time of giving and I think that's something the Queen really sticks to. Good to remember for all of us this time of year even though I just salivated over food for about 30 minutes of this podcast um, <laughs> it's good to remember a time of giving. I can't stop thinking about the chocolate table. I meet you really lost me with that one I'm down a rabbit hole now of like like what else could go on the chocolate table I'm just like thinking of all the different types of chocolate like nuts covered in chocolate like chocolate covered in more chocolate yeah the I, I i remember trying to find out what some of the chocolates were i believe that they one of their favorite brand one of the queen's favorite brands are bendix bitter mints oh. now i don't know if you've seen these before it's kind of 
chocolate, I think it's dark chocolate with like a mint fondant inside. Ooh. They're relatively inexpensive. So if you yeah. can find them, it's worth trying out. But it is an acquired taste because it is that mint chocolate mm. combination. But I'll they be also, eating like a queen. <laughs> they also have uh, this table on the chocolate table, chocolates from Charbon or Ewoka. You know the ones you've got the like salt, caramel truffles oh, yeah, and the, yeah. the pink champagne truffles oh chef God. kiss if you could see me right now <laughs> <laughs> i am imagining that that was good <laughs> well that just about brings us to the end of the show but before we close out i thought i would leave you not just with our usual joyous theme tune but mm. with a special reading from prince charles and camilla who have uh, joined a host of A-list stars, including Daniel Craig, mm. Judy Dench, and Tom Hardy, for a special reading of Twas the Night Before Christmas. Uh, this special reading is to raise awareness for the Actors Benevolent Fund, which of course this year has received more requests than ever mm. for help with the entertainment and uh, showbiz industries hit so hard because of the pandemic. Of course, uh, coronavirus restrictions saw theatres and cinemas empty for most of this year. And after a brief reopening last month and now closed again, um, and we've seen, certainly seen the cinema sector in the UK come to a complete shutdown. In fact, one of the largest chains of th movie theatres here has announced that they may never reopen, which is very sad. Mm. Um, but this was, Charles and Camilla's little rendition alongside a host of famous faces for a good cause. And if you do want to know more about the work of the ABF, you can head over to actorsbenevolentfund.co.uk where you can donate or at least sign up for updates on the work that they do. It's, a, it's, a, it's, it's an important one to remember. And I watched a documentary earlier this week about the impact that COVID's had on the entertainment industry that has, for the most part, received very little support this year from the government. I believe there's some 170,000 people in the UK working in music or entertainment that have lost their jobs. And I think a third of people working in that industry have not been um, eligible to apply for any kind of grants yeah. or supports because of course the unique way in which people earn their money within that industry. It's not quite the same as many other fields. And so, and including a lot of friends of my own that work in that field too, it certainly has been a difficult time. So well worth checking out that. Maggie, how are you spending your Christmas day? I haven't asked you yet. <laughs> well, I am working, but um, <laughs> in the middle of working, I'm also going to try to make a traditional British roast and lean into mm -hmm. you know my, my new British home. I'm gonna attempt to make Yorkshire puddings for the first time to go with nice. my roast. I know, thank you. So I got big plans, Omid, big plans. I mean, big plans meaning just me and my husband because we're not seeing anyone else. <laughs> but um, hopefully the two of us can have a feast. And I do feel very fortunate that, you know, at least we have each other and we're healthy and we'll have a nice big, you know, a Christmas tree and, 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 and roast feast. So um, feel quite lucky that I get to do that at least this year. And you'll be with your big. family, right? Yes. Big plans require elasticated waistbands. Exactly. Oh, I'm not getting out of my pajamas all day. Yeah, that's my big plan. 
even if I have to work, you're only going to see me on camera from waist up. So I'll be in pajamas on the bottom at least. <laughs> I'm, as I said, I'm lucky enough to spend the holidays with my family. But for those of you that haven't, I think we all have each other. It's been so heartwarming to see just how many people are listening to the show and what a great community it is. Such positive messages every week. And that has been so important to stick to throughout this year. I think we can be such mm. a divided society at times, but I think really in times like this, we only really have each other. And so if your Christmas this year is not the same as it normally is, fear not. You may be able to build a chocolate table or something in the corner of the room to preoccupy yourself, um, but also know <laughs> that you have us. And we will be back on the Friday, just before the end of the year. Is it the end of the year or just in the new year? I can't remember which. Um, with we're not looking exactly. at dates right now with some kind of royal update I actually really have happen. no idea what's happening between now and then so it may just be <laughs> us talking about <laughs> maybe just chit chat send us things to talk about tweet us things to talk about if there's no royal news what else do you guys want to hear about <laughs> of course a big thank you to the guys that put this show together Leighton Schneider Anthony Alley and Mike Dubusky in New York Signing out from Maggie and myself, we're going to leave you with Twas the Night Before Christmas, read by Ooh. Charles Camilla and Co. Twas the night before Christmas when all through the house not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. The stockings were hung by the chimney with care in hopes that St Nicholas soon would be there. The children were nestled all snug in their beds while visions of sugar plums danced in their heads. And Mama in her kerchief and I in my cap had just settled our brains for a long winter's nap. When out on the lawn there arose such a clatter I sprang from the bed to see what was the matter. Away to the window I flew like a flash, tore open the shutters and threw up the sash. The moon on the breast of the newly fallen snow gave the luster of midday to objects below. When what to my wondering eyes should appear but a miniature sleigh and eight tiny reindeer. With a little old driver so lively and quick. I knew in a moment it must be St Nick. More rapid than eagles his coursers they came. And he whistled and shouted and called them by name. Now Dasher, now Dancer, now Prancer and Vixen. On Comet, on Cupid, on Donner and Blitzen. To the top of the porch, to the top of the wall. Now dash away, dash away, dash away all. As dry leaves that before the wild hurricane fly when they meet with an obstacle marked to the sky. So up to the housetop the coursers they flew with the sleigh full of toys and St Nicholas too. And then, in a twinkling, I heard on the roof the prancing and pouring of each little hoof. As I drew in my head and was turning around, down the chimney St Nicholas came with a bound. He was dressed all in fur from his head to his foot and his clothes were all tarnished with ashes and soot. A bundle of toys he had flung on his back, and he looked like a peddler just opening his pack. His eyes, how they twinkled, his dimples are merry. His cheeks were like roses, his nose like a cherry. His droll little mouth was drawn up like a bow, and the beard on his chin was as white as snow. The stump of a pipe he held tight in his teeth. And the smoke, it encircled his head like a wreath. 
He had a broad face and a little round belly that shook when he laughed like a bowl full of jelly. He was chubby and plump and a right jolly old elf. And I laughed when I saw him in spite of myself. A wink of his eye and a twist of his head soon gave me to know I had nothing to dread. He spoke not a word, but went straight to his work and filled all the stockings and turned with a jerk and laying his finger aside of his nose and giving a nod up the chimney he rose. He sprang to his sleigh, to his team gave a whistle and away they all flew like the down of a thistle. But I heard him exclaim as he drove out of sight, Merry Christmas to all and to all a good night. <laughs>